spooky friends. I'm John, and welcome to our exciting third episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. For now, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Megan and Brooke. How you doing, Brooke? I'm doing pretty good. It's the day after Christmas, so just, you know, relaxing and vibing. Did you have a spooky Christmas? <laughs> Um, not super spooky, unfortunately, although we were, you know, we're going to be talking about the Beast of Bray Road in this episode, yeah. and we were in the area where oh, the Beast nice. of Bray Road has been seen. So, you know, nice. you know, I was keeping an eye out, but I didn't see anything. Maybe next time. <laughs> uh, Megan, did you have a spooky Christmas? Well, you know, what was spooky um, was that huge snowstorm that just came through, and I'm oh, so glad right, it's over. Right. It was ridiculous. So true. Well, that's Wisconsin for you. That is Wisconsin for you. You know, one of the things I was thinking, uh, eventually, when we have a little more episodes under our belt, we have to do something about Santa Claus and everything. Because it is kind of creepy that this guy (laughs) shows up in your house, and he just drops presents, and he can, like, go up the chimney, and he can kind of, like, kiss your mom and dad, or what's, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So it's true. weird, right? It, yeah. it sounds it's normal to me. Weird. <laughs> and he like eats your food and yeah, eats your yeah. cookies. Yeah. And then he he knows exactly what you want. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of creepy. Anyway, he knows when you're so sleeping. <laughs> that is super weird, by the way, right? You wake up <laughs> and see this fat guy with a beard like hovering over you while you're sleeping, yeah. breathing hard. <laughs> Honestly, and he that's, only comes once a year, sorry. just breaking yeah. into houses once a year, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a great scary topic. We have two topics tonight. Uh, the first one is the mysterious beast of Bray Road, the humanoid wolf-like creature allegedly witnessed in or near the rural community of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And I want to say... And Brooke, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're Miss Cryptoid. Uh, if that's okay, <laughs> if I can say that. That's fine, yeah. So I think, l- let's rank these just really, really quick. So I think Bigfoot's number one as crypt- Cryptoids go, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would say probably Mothman or Loch Ness. What would you say for number two? I feel like oh, Loch Ness for like, you know. Yeah, international. You know, yeah, like what people maybe know the best, but Mothman, yeah. I think, has been kind of like a newer a newer player that's rising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So stay with me. I think Beast of Bray Road is up there. Maybe not three, but I think he's in the top ten. What, what, Megan, Brooke, what do you think? Top ten? Or I, think, yeah, I think so. I, I think yeah. he's... Yeah, I never really realized how um, <clears throat> how popular he was, but I have I have a little section... Where I'll talk about like kind of the beast of Bray Road and popular culture, yeah. um, but really interesting. And I think like just like these wolfmen in general too. Like mm. there's so many different ones, but the beast of Bray yeah. Road seems to be kind of like one of the biggest, um, one, one of the most well known like dogmen stories. Um, yes, which is really cool that it's from Wisconsin. Yes, absolutely. So that's our first topic. So love that. Second one, we will be covering also be covering some of the scariest stories from the 
Fister Hotel, one of the most iconic places to stay in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is a great old hotel. Uh, Megan will be covering this. One thing I want to add about this uh, just really quickly is, and I think I, I told this to you guys off air or off episode, I should say. Um, there are grown men, baseball players, football players, <laughs> who will not stay in that hotel. They refuse to stay in that hotel. That's and so that interesting. It cracks me up. These guys like 6'5", 250, you know, big, burly guys. And they're like, hell no. <laughs> Get nope, me out of right? that place. I have some yeah. good stories yeah. to tell about that. So you'll have to stay tuned. Nice. So, but first... Before we get to these awesome stories from Brooke and Megan, we're going to start with the story I promised you at the end of last episode, and that is the toaster from hell. <laughs> okay? This is, this is, I love this. There's going to be a picture on the website of this, and I'm going to do awesome. this really quickly so we get to our topics. Okay, uh, it, imagine your grandma, okay? So put that in your mind, people. Okay, Megan and Brooke, put, imagine your grandma, uh -huh. and she has a toaster, and she says to you one day, hey, Brooke, Megan, my toaster is from hell, and Satan <gasps> lives in it. <laughs> oh. right. Honestly, right. it kind of checks out for my grandma, I think. <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to be like, grandma, okay. I love you, you grandma. All right? yeah. You feeling all right? Okay, so guess what? This is from Florida. Boca Raton, Florida, which is the haven for older people, which, no, I'm not going to Boca Raton, Florida. I don't care how old I am. So <laughs> what happened was, and this is totally serious. You can watch this on YouTube, uh, but I put some pictures up on our website because, and I know, Brooke, you said you laughed your ass off when you I saw did. some of the pictures. I did. So this woman claimed the devil lives in her toaster. And what she did Whoa. was she brought a reporter out there from the local station. And he just basically witnessed <laughs> the woman. Uh, her name is June. This is, like I said, she's your grandma. She's the quintessential grandma. Just imagine that. And she was just talking and she brought out the toaster. Nothing special about the toaster. It's from any toaster from... I don't know, Walmart, right? And she says that when she put the toast in, that the devil started to talk to her. And <laughs> I don't, just said her name or something like that. And so <laughs> the, the reporter asked her, what kind of voice does the devil have? And like I said, this is on TV. I, you, again, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's from the <laughs> 80s again. And good, she's good. this nice old lady. And she's like, I don't know, kind of sound like this one actor that I've never heard of. I'm like, okay, whatever, lady. <laughs> okay. And then, so you will see a picture of where it says uh, on the toast, uh, Satan lives is scratched into the toast. Mm -hmm. um, mm. <laughs> this idly old lady <laughs> holding a piece of satanic toast. I, I, I laughed so hard I fell off my chair when I saw that picture. So, wow. Here, here, yeah, right. So here's the punchline to all of this. So the reporter asked, well, June, why do you keep this toaster? It was the toaster from hell. And her answer was, well, you know, it, it, when all is said and done, it makes good toast. <laughs> <laughs> 
She it was honest. It. Fair enough. Fair Nothing more to enough. it. It's hard. It it <laughs> right? Hard it, to it, find it, a good toaster, you know? Yeah. It's hard to find a good toaster, am I right? Yeah. It burns your toast. Your toast is too light. Whatever. You know, maybe it's satanic. It's to you in tongues. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes good. <laughs> so anyway, there's another picture on there where the toaster, it looks like it's on fire. <laughs> And, and June is like recoiling back, and everybody's like, "Like holy, you know, shit, you know, this thing is gonna." And she's just like, "Okay, now it works." Kind of. Like, what? I love definitely it. not so a fire had, hazard. Yeah. So we've had the bunk bed from hell, which made an entire family leave their house, which we do not know where that bunk bed is, mm-hmm. and that was on our last episode. So check that out. Very funny. Uh, but more serious because they were hearing voices and seeing scary old women and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But here, it's a toaster from hell. But you know what? It makes damn good toast. So. <laughs> it's practical. Unintended. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> my contribution to this podcast is I love paranormal and everything. I love to find some funny things. So, yeah. again, we will bring that to you on future podcasts from time to time to make you have a good laugh. So <laughs> we I love, love that. I yeah, love so, it. Toaster from hell. All right. So let's get right into it. I'm excited to, uh, to hear this um, because just really quickly, I haven't had any personal stories or had any friends, no personal stories. But I've heard things on different podcasts and have read about this and, and kind of seen some documentaries about it. But mm-hmm. the funny thing is about the Beast of Bray Road, which, like I said, we'll get to a sec here uh, with uh, Brooke. It, people generally, like, it's like Bigfoot. Nobody really has massive evidence to say it does exist. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this at the end. Um, I would like to do that if that's okay, Brooke, to kind of give mm-hmm, it a yes absolutely. or no or whatever yeah. you want to do. But it's just like Bigfoot and Mothman. Yeah, people have seen it, and but there's not really any proof either way. But anyway, I- I'm love to hear this. Brooke, if you want to take it away and tell us a little bit more about the Beast of Bray Road. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, I think exactly what you said, John. It's it's interesting. It's um there's not a ton of evidence, but there is a lot of people who say that they've seen this creature over the course of like 20, 30, 40 years. So um, so we're going to get into it a little bit. I want to shout out the sources that I use like usual. Um, first of all, The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf is a book that was put out by Linda Godfrey. And she'll actually come into play quite a bit um, as I go through this. But um, I do own the book. I have not read it cover to cover, but I did use a few mm. like excerpts from it. Um, then there's also a documentary called the Bray road beast that was, um, put out in 2018. Actually, John, you're the one who told me about it. I watched that Mm. day, um, directed by Seth Breedlove. Uh, he's actually a cryptozoologist, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, you can watch that on Amazon prime. That was kind of interesting. There was also, I don't know if you guys have heard of the lore podcast, but I really like it. It's produced. Yeah. yeah, It was Mm -hmm. um, Aaron Mankey is the guy who like, produces and is the guy who like does the whole podcast and um he also had an episode on the beast of bray road so i listened to that 
Um, there is a Monster Quest episode from the History Channel titled Legend of the American Werewolf, um, which largely covers the Beast of Bray Road. Um, nice. And then also, just because I like to give a shout out to like a lesser known one, there's a YouTube channel that I found. They only have like 650 subscribers. It's called Flyover Culture. Um, and it's this guy, he talks about a lot of different aspects of like um, Midwestern culture, but he had a whole episode on the Beast of Bray Road. It was just like a seven minute video. Um, mm. And it was it was really fun. It was a very cute video. They're all very well produced. And I feel like he deserves more subscribers. So I wanted to sure. give a little shout out to Flyover Culture. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, it was very fun. So anyway, um, a little bit of background. So this story primarily occurs in a town called Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Elkhorn is in Walworth County and has a population of a little over 10,000 people. Um, which I think is fun because the town that I grew up in is actually only about 20 minutes away and also is a town of a little over 10,000 people. So it was, it's very, you know, very close to home. So it's a very picturesque and unassuming town. Um, there's a lot of farmers there and a lot of merchants, very similar to what you would kind of expect of a Wisconsin town. Sure. Um, it's a little bit southwest of Milwaukee, so probably about like a 40-minute drive from Milwaukee. And it's close to Lake Geneva, which is... If you live in Wisconsin, you know Lake Geneva is a right. very popular vacation spot and also very picturesque and uh, mm -hmm. beautiful. And then Bray Road itself is actually a four-mile-long road. Um, it's very similar. I mean, it's, you know, like any road in the Midwest. That's not like a Highway mm -hmm. 94. Like you're... Um, yeah. It's just farmland, you know? <laughs> and at the time, it was... Most of the land was privately owned by a couple different farmers. They were all fifth-generation farmers who all kind of knew each other. And it's really not traveled by many people outside of the people who actually live along the stretch of road. So it's not like... It's not a highway. It's just um, just a, you know, average Wisconsin farmland road. Um, so the beast himself, he is also known as the Walworth County Werewolf um, or the Ooh. Beast of Bray Road. <laughs> Very fitting. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like when the sounds come as a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I got to keep us on our feet. You did. Yeah. Um, so the majority of the sightings that we'll talk about occurred in the late 18, in the late 1980s and early 1990s. So really like 1989 hmm. to 1992 were, um, the majority of the sightings. Um, and pretty much all of the sightings are, they're very similar to each other, um, which mm -hmm. kind of adds a bit to, um, I guess like the believability of everything, but sure. Pretty much everyone describes the Beast of Bray Road as having the head of a wolf or German shepherd, but standing on its two hind legs. But sometimes they'll see it like running on all fours, but it'll stand up at some point. That's the main thing is like they'll see it standing up on its hind legs. And usually when it's standing, it's between five and seven feet. Um, some say that it has the body of a bear, but with a wolf's head. Others say it's more like the body of a man with like fur covering it um, and very muscular Many mm. say the beast has glowing eyes, but some of them say red, some of them say yellow. And usually it's described as having black or brown hair with grayish streaks in it. And then many mm. describe a foul odor that accompanied their <laughs> sightings, um, which, yeah, which kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, some of sense. it, yeah, some of it describe, or some of them describe the odor as skunky or as similar to rotten meat or like a oh. wet dog, Ooh. which, Ugh. you know, very pleasant. Um, yeah. 
seems something fitting. that is yeah it is fitting for sure <laughs> especially the wet dog that makes sense but, um yeah they don't but, make a wet dog cologne you know no so that's true Where they could john could from you know that could be your big break <laughs> yeah what what done uh Something that I thought was interesting, too, is that the beast is never described as being a killer. Um, so there are a lot of werewolf stories of the past, like the Middle Ages, right. such as the Beast of Jovadon, um, really describe these werewolf creatures as being very aggressive towards humans and having like killed or maimed or injured a human in some way. But the Beast of Bray Road never actually injured a person. Um, so he tends to run when he sees a human. Um, and yeah. in some, in most cases, and it appears to be more of a scavenger than a hunter. So usually people mm. will see the beast of Bray Road, like eating roadkill or like, you know, scavenging in some sort of way. Um, every once in a while, it appears to chase cars or people, but it always kind of breaks away and runs off before it can actually yeah. catch mm. them, even though it seems like it could catch them if it wanted to, but it doesn't. Um, so, so you know what's funny yeah. about that? Um, just really quickly yeah. here is Bigfoot, Mothman, uh, some of the, um, you know, some of the cryptids and everything like that, not necessarily kill people or kill humans. Mm -hmm. They seem to want to be like, like your dog, right? When you come home and your dog comes up to you and it's all, you know, giving you licks on the face and it's excited to see you or they kind of <laughs> chase you around a little bit or whatever. But you, mm -hmm. normally your dog will not bite you they're just really you know curious and i find that really interesting being yeah. that these uh cryptids are well could really hurt you if they wanted to mm -hmm. right they're dominant yeah. And, yeah. and like you know where animals smell fear and stuff like that and you know again just going back to a dog because it's kind of similar to this in a sense you know, if you've been around someone's house and that dog jumps out at you and starts barking and growling at you and you're kind of scared, you know what I mean? And that kind of fear. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of feel like, oh, this dog's going to rip my throat out if I don't, you know, calm <laughs> yeah. down or whatever. It's well, really it's, interesting that it's never happened. You know, that's just yeah. It's interesting, too, because um, Linda Godfrey, the woman who actually wrote that book I mentioned, she yeah. interviewed tons of people and she said that a lot of them actually told her that they almost felt like it was trying to like communicate via like body language or like i don't know telepathically uh, or something that uh, it was like hey i could kill you if i wanted to but i'm not <laughs> going to like it was almost <laughs> like a like a very threatening energy but they like kind of knew that they were not in any actual danger and i think it's interesting because like you know if you believe in cryptids it almost seems as though they they like know they're not supposed to be seen or they know that like mm -hmm. they're not you know they're not meant for like our human world and so they don't like want to actually interact with us but they you mm -hmm. know they just we just kind of get little clips of them every yeah. once in a while and it's sure. um it's really fascinating and uh you know i'm kind of like someone of the belief that like all cryptids are like kind of the same thing or like the same phenomena that's happening mm -mm. and it's just kind of interesting to like really think yeah. about it but absolutely but yeah all in all uh the beast of bray road it seems like you know he's he's a nice guy he's he's not here to hurt us <laughs> his name is carrie yeah. he likes to hang out at the local starbucks yeah hey, what's up, carrie? he's just a nice dude doing? he's not he's not here to <laughs> he's not here to kill anybody he's, he's hanging out <laughs> 
Yeah. Give Terry a break, will you? Come on, people. Honestly, yeah. it's not so bad. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll get into a couple of the specific stories. So there were really two stories, one from Lori and Dresi and one from Doris Gibson that came out around the same time, which is when, um, when Linda actually published her original story in the newspaper about the Beast of Bray Road. And those two stories, um, when they were published, they kind of like launched everything else. So, um, Lori and Dresi was the first one. So her account happened in the fall of 1989. So Lori Andrezzi was a 24-year-old single mother at the time, and she was a bar manager driving home from work. And I believe it was storming, or maybe, actually, no, it was storming in Doris Gibson's. I don't think it was storming in Lori Andrezzi's account. But she saw something in the ditch along Bray Road as she was driving. And she thought that it was either a person hunched over or some kind of animal. So she kind of slowed down and turned on her high beams, and what she saw was a creature which looked like a wolf, but she was very confused because it didn't look like, like it looked like it had the face of a wolf, but it was kneeled over like a man and it was actually eating out of its hands. Oh. Um, and when she looked closer, it looked like it was like roadkill and it was taking like huge <laughs> chunks of this roadkill out of its own hands. And it had like elbows almost like a human as well so she freaked out she like sped off as fast as she could (laughs) when she kind of realized what she was actually seeing was real and she called john frederickson who was the animal control officer for walworth county during that time to report what she saw um and he's actually he's kind of interesting he was featured in that documentary that i watched quite a bit um and he so many people would call him like the animal control officer um poor guy calling like yeah so he had like a whole file that just was called werewolf (laughs) that like every (laughs) all of the like accounts he would get he would put into the same file yeah it was really funny Uh, but something interesting during the documentary john actually said that during his conversation with Lori. Um, while she was describing the creature he was having like books on his bookshelf like started flying off the shelf for no reason which Mm -hmm. was really interesting because it kind of gave a different like supernatural vibe to it which i hadn't really thought about but yeah um but yeah like that's what he what he said was happening so um and then later on um it was mentioned that Lori. Uh, when she was interviewed later on, said that she believed that the beast was some kind of demonic entity because she felt like so like grossed out and creeped out when she saw it. So that's just like the vibe that she got, I guess. Um, huh. So that was that was interesting. Um, the next story, and this is the first one that I think Linda actually um, went out and interviewed this girl. Um, and that this is kind of what spurred her to write her um, her newspaper article in... Um, I think it was the Walworth Times, but we'll get there. Um, so Doris Gibson, on it was, it was actually on Halloween night in 1991. She was a senior at high school in high school, and she was driving driving down Bray Road during a storm, and she heard and felt a thump, and <gasps> she um, she got kind of freaked out because she thought maybe she had hit an animal, or maybe like her, it you know messed her car up in some way. So she put the car in park, and she wanted to check to see what was going on. So she got out to investigate. She checked like under her bumper. She checked everything. She didn't see any signs that she had run anything over. She even looked to see if there was a pothole. There wasn't. So she was kind of like, okay, I don't really know what that was. She was about to get back in her car when she looked up and in the middle of the road, she saw a six to seven foot tall figure. And it it looked like an upright uh, wolf staring right at her. 
And it actually, they kind of just like made eye contact for a little bit and then it started (laughs) moving towards her and she said she could like, like feel and hear like the thump of its feet hitting the ground. So yeah, she freaked out as anyone would and she like dove back into her car um, and started driving as fast as she could. And she said that the wolf actually started following her and it lunged at her car and grabbed onto her trunk. Oh my God. um, Yeah. And eventually she started going so fast that it fell off. But she said when she got back, she actually saw like three claw marks on either side of her. Whoa, um, that's crazy. Yeah. And Linda Godfrey actually says that she saw the claw marks herself too when she interviewed Doris. So, Mm. um, so that's very interesting as well. Um, and then the third story is Tom Brigda. It's Brigda or Brigda. He was um, in the documentary and it didn't have his name spelling. So I'm not 100% positive. But um, Tom Brigda had an experience in July of 1992. So he was coming home from a wedding reception. He had two cars. Sorry. So he had two friends in the car with him. Oh my gosh, my my dog is like trying to get in my lab. Okay, here we go. Um, He had two friends in the car with him and they were driving along. They didn't specifically say whether it was Bray Road or another road. So it might've been a different road, but they all kind of smelled a foul odor and they described it as um, smelling like a skunk, but stronger. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was really foggy and Tom noticed a hand sticking out from the side of the road, like through the fog. And so he looked over at it Oh, yeah, nice. I know. Wouldn't that be creepy? <laughs> um, but he looked over at it and one of his friends saw that he looked over. So his friend kind of like followed his eye line and looked over as well. And his friend through his because he was in the passenger seat, saw this again, a huge gray and black upright wolf that was reaching out towards their car. And the beast actually, according to Tom, scratched their car. And it, he actually showed in the documentary like one um, long scratch down the side of his car too so he had mm. you know kind of evidence as well awesome. um so yeah so there are tons of accounts like this um there are m- many other accounts um both anonymous accounts and also named people um i think linda estimated that it would was in like the hundreds of people that reported oh, their wow. accounts between 1989 and 1992 and all of the stories were very similar um interestingly some of the people claimed to have seen the beast decades earlier, but they never came forward for fear of ridicule. So once the story kind of came out and Doris and Lori came forward with their stories, other people kind of felt more comfortable talking about their own stories, even if they were from like years before. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So because there were a couple like named accounts from people who had experiences like in uh, 1982 and one was 1986. So really all, uh, throughout the 80s but people didn't want to come forward because they were afraid that they would like lose their job and they were afraid that their kids would get like made fun of at school so you yeah, know right. a lot of the reasons that people don't talk about these things but yeah all of the stories that you shared I don't really see why they would lie about it plus you have that oddly you know interesting evidence that was on their car so yeah And that seems to be a very common, yeah, Yeah. it seems very common that um, people would say that like the, um, the beast of Bray Road was like chasing after their car, like in some way alarmed by the car or tried to like scratch it or, um, you know, different stuff like that. So it's kind of, again, it's, it's very consistent. And like you said, Megan, like people in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, I I mean, I'm a, 
I'm assuming it's similar to my hometown of Sussex in that it's in the same area of Wisconsin. It's the same size town. Like I know that people in Sussex where I grew up would not just make up stories like this because when you're in that small of a town in this more like blue collar farm country, you don't want to be like the person who saw the werewolf on the side of the road. (laughs) Like no one wants to be that person. So for people to actually start coming forward and talking about these stories, it's not, you know, they're not going to just make it up. Maybe one or two people just to like, you know, be part of the trend, but certainly not like hundreds of people. Right. Um, Yeah. And and the other thing too, it's just, that's not a, a benefit for you to be like, Hey, like, like we've talked about before and I'll kind of bring it up once we're done with Beast of Bray Road is you want to monetize the cryptid, right? Right. <laughs> like like the whole dag. Good old mm-hmm. Gene. What did good old Gene do? He you know, yeah. like, hey, bring all these people out here and give us some give me some money. Exactly. And they're not doing that, at least not that I know of. No, uh, they're that, you know. Yeah. That's something um I do have in uh have a little bit in here, but um they're really like even to this day, it's not anything like Rhinelander is with the Hodeg. Like there's right. there isn't this like culture that like rallies around the Beast of Bray Road. They don't really want it to be like this tourist spectacle because they already had a lot going for them as a town. Like they're not far from Milwaukee. They're mm-hmm. really close to Lake Geneva. They already had right. kind of like a decent amount of tourism just because they were like this cute little town that you can kind of, you know, go to that's between Lake Geneva and Milwaukee. So there really was no reason for them to like you know want to get a whole group of people traveling there just to see some you know werewolf that they quote unquote made up so it's really it's really different and there's not like you know uh stores where you can go buy beast of bray road plushies like there is with the hodag they don't have like a they don't have, yeah they don't have a statue of them outside their chamber of commerce or anything so um, yeah so it's definitely interesting um one thing, too, when it comes to the other stories, a lot of people actually claim that they saw the beast in broad daylight, um, saying that it was way too large to be a wolf and it would sometimes be on four legs, but would occasionally um, stop and stand up on two legs. Um, it's it's interesting. Like, it wasn't just happening at night where people, you know, might be, like, kind of on edge driving through, right. like, the woods. It was, like, people were also seeing it in the middle of the day. So that is odd. Yeah. Um, A little bit more about Linda. So Linda was the one who published her book uh, about the Beast of Bray Road. She actually published it in 2003. But she was the one who actually was the original news reporter who broke the story about the Beast of Bray Road in the Walworth Mm -hmm. Week. And I don't think that um, that publication exists anymore. But at the time, the story was called Tracking Down the Beast of Bray Road. And it was published in December of 1991 with an illustration of the beast. I'll uh, put that on the website because the little illustration is kind of fun. But once that was published, this triggered like so many more reports. It had so many more people were comfortable coming forward with their stories because it was kind of more in the mainstream. Um, Linda did say that many regretted giving their stories because of ridicule they experienced afterwards and that many later sightings like in 1991 and 92 were anonymous because of this. So the earlier ones were more like named people, um, but eventually people wanted to still tell their stories, but they wanted to remain anonymous um, just because they didn't want the publicity of it all. And um, Linda actually said that she 
initially laughed at the idea of the beast when she first heard the couple first couple stories but yeah. has since interviewed countless people who have had experiences with the beast she describes people as reliving their worst nightmares as they recount their stories to her they turn pale they start sweating and some of them she says even burst into tears and she says that she has a really hard time joking about the time period now because of all the different stories that she's heard and what she's seen. Um, something else that's interesting is that many of the witnesses actually agreed to take polygraph tests later on um, oh, when a documentary wow. was being produced. Yeah. And this was, I don't think this was the 2018 documentary that's on um, Amazon no. Prime. This was a different one because it was produced yeah. in 2008. But yeah, a ton of the different witnesses all took polygraph tests and all of them passed. So also, again, just kind of like, even if you don't like believe that this creature exists, I think you kind of have to believe that the people who are telling these stories believed what they saw, you know, whether or not right. you believe that it was like a werewolf or just like maybe they misidentified an actual wolf or something like that. Um, whatever it was, they truly believed what they were seeing. Yeah, and um, scared. They were scared. Yeah, definitely scared. Um, so with that, um, I thought it would be interesting to talk about a couple of the different theories, just because there's some that are just really out there and I thought were kind of fun. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So the first one, this is really interesting. So the first one is more of like a biblical theory, I guess. And this is the actual earliest, earliest account that people can find of the Beast of Bray Road. So this actually happened in Jefferson County, not Walworth, which Jefferson County is directly east of Walworth County. So it's okay. right next to it. Um, but this was in 1936, but the story was not broken until 1991 wow. after Linda had published her article. Yeah. So the story was told by the son of the person who actually had the experience. So the son was a newspaper editor. That's why he reached out to Linda. He thought she would be the best person to tell about it. But his father was actually the night watchman for the St. Coletta Institute, um, which was in Jefferson County. And his father's job was basically to walk the grounds every night to make sure there wasn't any, you know, and he was basically like a security guard, essentially. And they actually on the premises had Native American burial grounds that they had preserved. And one night he was doing his normal rounds. Um, he had his flashlight out and he saw something on top of one of the burial mounds. Um, and when he sh shined his flashlight on it, it was a large creature who had a canine head and he was like digging furiously into the mound. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he like shined his flashlight on it, the creature kind of looked at him and then it like took off into the night. And mm -hmm. the guy was kind of like, yeah, he was kind of like, holy crap, what the heck? And, you know, moved on with his life. But then the very next night, um, he saw the same thing. It was the same creature on that same mm -hmm. mound. And this time... When he turned, when the creature turned to him, um, the man said that he, or he told his son this, that the um, creature made like human-like utterances, which he thought sounded like the word Gadara, which apparently in the biblical, biblical meaning, um, Jesus apparently exercised a man in Gadara during the ex what is known as the exorcism of Gerasene demoniac. Um, so apparently this man from Gadara was um, mm -hmm. possessed and Jesus had exercised him. So now, you know, with like, I, I don't know much about religion at all, but apparently like the I word Gadara you. is like, um, like associated with demons. Um, so mm -hmm. he had thought that like this creature that he saw was some kind of possessed person that was like infested with 
um, with demons of some sort, um, which is, you know, a pretty dark, yeah, dark yeah. idea of what it might have come from. Right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, too, to know that people were seeing this creature as far back as 1936. I read somewhere else that um, when this man had this experience, he told his wife about it and his wife was like, you cannot tell anyone about this. People are going to think you're crazy. Yeah. And so right. he didn't even tell his son about it until like five years after his wife had died. And then he told his son, like, don't tell anyone about this. Um, you know, I don't want to be like that crazy guy. But then eventually, you know, once everything else happened, his son decided mm -hmm. to tell his story. So it's kind of interesting. If I saw that yeah. twice so on the job, I would quit on the spot. <laughs> you would not see me again <laughs> yeah, on my shift. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to put in my two weeks. See ya. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, um, immediate so, resignation. So with religion and everything like that, one of the, one of the things that you find out from, because unfortunately I went from Bible school, eighth grade, all the way through high school. So yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things, but I got really more into the occult, which drove my minister nuts. Cause I'd be like, Hey, what if Satan does this? And what if you just look at me like, Oh, just go like, away. We don't talk about that here. <laughs> yeah. Let's go away, John. Okay. Um, but one of the things is similar to the werewolf stories is a person is cursed by some type of blasphemy. So mm -hmm. maybe this, it, with this story, what's interesting is it's typically you may go, I don't want God in my life or anything like that. And you might put that out there and then God says, oh, okay, bam, now you're a werewolf. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's a weird, weird thing, especially do with like exorcism and stuff where the like when Jesus would exercise uh, demons and everything, it was usually because Satan was like testing them, like would be like, mm -hmm. hey, this is the fun place. Jesus, come on over here. And Jesus would be like, hey, man, I like where I am. I'm going to get you out of there and you can go back to hell and stuff. So it's kind of. Uh, a really uh, interesting thing that people bring that up because that's typically mm -hmm. not a uh, United States and right. here in the States it's typically in international like countries like Czechoslovakia, Transylvania, you know, Soviet Union mm -hmm. or whatever they're called now. It, it's typically countries like that who believe in curses and hexes and you know what I'm saying? So it's more in there where you can hex somebody and make them uh, a werewolf or your slave or a zombie. Um, so that's interesting. That's, an, that's yeah. an interesting thing about that. So, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for giving your own input because, yeah, like I said, I have no frame of reference when it comes <laughs> to like, the, the whole Christian side of it or I whatever. But kind of in the same vein, another theory that was kind of brought up by John Fredrickson during the um, during the documentary that I watched was um, this idea of cult activity. So, again, John <laughs> Fredrickson was the animal control officer for Walworth County in the late 80s and early 90s. And he, along with all the reports that he was getting about this werewolf creature, he was also receiving a ton of phone calls about satanic cult activity during the area or in the area during the time, especially because there were a lot of like animal mutilation. So he was getting calls about that of people saying that they found like oh mutilated bodies of animals. And it was like really common, um, but it was never fully investigated. Like he mentioned that the cops like bulldozed the entire area where they were finding these mutilated animals yeah. 
before they even really investigated it. Sure. And he actually said that Walworth County at the time was confirmed um, as one of the four counties in Wisconsin that had the highest amount of cult activity because there, it's a very yeah. wooded area. So sure. um, I guess people would, you know, go in there and just do their weird cult stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, John, so John thinks that like, perhaps if you believe in that kind of thing, like maybe the, yeah. the cultists were attempting to conjure some sort of demon and that they were successful. And that's what the, the beast of Bray road is. So um, that's really interesting. You bring that up because I, we have to cover down the road, like the satanic panic in the eighties. Yeah. Stuff. Super interesting. How mm -hmm. like 21 people went to jail without any proof or evidence. They're Satanists. And they yep. just put him in jail. It's insane. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And it's, you know, again, I don't know much about Satanism either, but from what I understand, it's not like all Satanists no. are like these crazy animal no. killing people. They're just, Absolutely. that's just, yeah. They're not like trying to conjure and, demons. They're just yeah, like. And one thing we'll cover uh, that I would like to cover, I'll pitch to both of you, is called the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, and that is, I believe, in Ohio. And that's where they saw these Satanists like made this like basically uh, satanic triangle and you go in this area and it's really creepy swamps and all this stuff. Oh, interesting. And, and everybody blamed Satanists for it because they put all these symbols up. What they didn't realize later was they were on the Indian burial ground and they were basically in an Indian graveyard. Right. They, the Indian, the Native American population had marked different symbols. And mm -hmm. everybody thought it was Satanist symbols. No, it was Native American symbols. And they just found it out probably like five years ago. Interesting. And just like, hmm. Every time I hear cult and Satan, it's, I always chuckle because I'm like, that's the easy to go to. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. It's such <laughs> yeah. a like trigger word. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you trigger it. And that's what I think brings paranormal down, in my mm -hmm. opinion, is people yep. think like we're doing this because we love it and we find it interesting. But there are mm -hmm. people out there go, oh, you must be Satanists because that's what Satanists do. They like paranormal. We're like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just like the paranormal. And I think, you know, you, you should listen to us and understand why that Satanism and the paranormal have a very loose affiliation, if at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just <laughs> two completely different things. But I, yeah. yeah, I think people just, you know... I don't know. People just get so freaked out. And, and like you said, too, the, right? yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, Oh, the big scary monster that no one understands of Satanism. Let's blame <laughs> everything on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was definitely another, another theory going around at the time. Definitely not one that I believe, but yeah. it is theory. Yeah. Um, Another another theory too is like there's a lot of Native American stories of different creatures. Um, at, you know, as we know, a lot of Native American tribes uh, have lived or still live in Wisconsin. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stories about the area going very very far back. Um, but many people think that it was like some kind of skinwalker. Um, again, I don't know a ton about um, these creatures, but other ones that they mention. Um, are the Shunka Warakin, which is basically a giant wolf creature, um, or creatures from Inuit stories such as the Amarok or the Wahila. But um, these creatures don't really have like humanoid characteristics like the Beast of Bray Road is said to. So, uh, but it's just kind of interesting to think like, again, maybe the Beast of Bray Road has been around for a very long time and the stories yeah. that the Native Americans were telling back way back when are kind of the same as what still exists today. 
Um, the next theory is that the Beast of Bray Road is something that just exists in the natural world. So Linda Godfrey um, says that she actually leans toward this story or this theory um, that this isn't a paranormal creature, but a creature that eats, breathes and sleeps like any other animal, perhaps um, a large wolf with some form of mutation. Um, so Linda actually coined the phrase Beast of Bray Road by writing her um, article um, because she didn't believe that it was a werewolf what everyone else was kind of saying werewolf, but she didn't want to use that phrase in her article because she says that she didn't want to insinuate that there is like one beast in one location. Um, she mentions how the reports of the Michigan dog man are actually very similar to the reports of the beast of Bray road and that they could be connected in some way. Um, and you know, there are various other like dog man and wolf man stories from not only the Midwest, but the entire world really. And that maybe this is something that actually does exist. Um, and similarly, there's this man in the documentary named Ricky Sanchez, who actually experienced um, what he described as a pack of these creatures hmm. on his land. And he truly believes that they were actual animals like wolves, but just with the ability to stand on their hind legs. And he said that he had seen like three or four of them, that his neighbor saw them too. And that, you know, again, they were like scavengers. They didn't really mean them any harm, but... Um, but he believes that they were they were just animals. Um, and then the last theory, of course, is that this is just a big wolf. Um, so mm -hmm. this actually was a quote from that Monster Quest episode from the History Channel in 2010. But a wolf biologist named Peggy Callahan said in the episode, people could definitely misidentify a wolf jumping up on its hind legs and sure. think that it was some kind of werewolf. So she believes that a combination of paranoia, superstition, and misidentification has created the tale of the beast and other similar stories around the world. Um, so, of course, those are just five theories. But um, what do you what do you guys think? What do you guys think the Beast of Bray Road is? Well, I can go first. Um, yeah, go, Megan. I am interested in your theory that it's not just one specific creature. It's many different creatures because i feel like at least to me that kind of explains how this creature mm. could be seen in the 30s also in the 90s so it'd be sure. right. kind of odd for it to live through all of those that decades long. and not be right. harmed or die so i yeah. definitely could see it being multiple creatures instead of just one singular entity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what about you john yeah. absolutely so one of these things, I don't know if they brought it up, is a, a wolf called a dire wolf. And this sucker is mm -hmm. huge. It's absolutely huge. It's about the size, I, I would say, like a uh, small horse. I mm -hmm. mean, it's big. And they were, um, so <laughs> if you watch Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones, I know yeah. I'm throwing this way out there right now, and I'm sorry if I confuse, my, confuse everyone listening to us, but... Game of Thrones, um, the Stark clan, their their sigil is the dire wolf, and they show a dire wolf in there. And mm -hmm. that thing is like big. And then I started doing some research. I'm like, hey, I wonder if that really existed. And yes, it did. Um, and they were all, of course, killed off because we're idiots and we like to kill right. things that are oh. really big. But like anything, it, it still survived uh, different parts of the country. Uh, Recently, people have started seeing dire wolves again, and like I said, they're about the size of a small horse. So right. imagine if you if you were just driving along, and then all of a sudden this wolf that's <laughs> almost as big as your car. <laughs> oh God! 
Right. The heck is it's that? Freak you out. So yeah, um, for sure. That was a theory that was been brought because one of the things in Wisconsin, uh, we did hire, we did hunt wolves to near extinction. Mm-hmm. Now the gray wolves are coming back, and there's also been um, certain uh, reports of people saying they're seeing like white wolves mm-hmm. and different oh, so wolves. Um, and it's typical wolves, and not like I'm the expert, but from just what I've read when I was when we were doing Beast of Bray Road, I kind of wanted to see if maybe there's some similarities. And there is, in the sense of wolves typically will not, if you're like out with your husband and you're walking down a trail and you see a pack of wolves, I'm not saying don't be scared because yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm scared. (laughs) However, if you back away slowly and you just stay calm, the wolves will leave you alone. Now, is that always true? I don't know. Because animals are aggressive, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether it's your dog or your cat or a big bad Mm -hmm. wolf out there. You don't know what's going to happen. And a dire wolf could leave a huge scratch on your car if it thought it was being threatened for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, just like when you see dogs chasing cars and stuff like that, it's innate, right? It's that ability to want to chase something for whatever reason. Um, so that's my theory is it's some type yeah. of, I don't know, maybe different type of a wolf that people... Yeah. I think that that honestly, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that makes sense too, because like you said, there weren't, there aren't at at the time, there were definitely not that many wild wolves in Wisconsin. There still aren't today. And so I feel like people who aren't familiar with wolves don't really know or like understand how big they actually get. Like they, you know, they're bigger than like a, a Husky or like a German shepherd. They're huge. They're like, two three four times Mm -hmm. the weight of those types of dogs so um you know if it was just a wolf people might have been like holy crap there's no way that's a wolf because they've never actually seen one and they don't understand how big it is um so i I definitely think that that's that that would definitely make sense obviously like a wolf's not gonna walk around on two legs but um no that's yeah yeah but it is interesting yeah Mm -hmm. but you know like my dog minnie She'll, she, you know, when I come up to her, she'll get on two legs and she'll mm-hmm. kind of, you know, jump on me and stuff. So that's true. Yeah, kind of. That know, is true. I kind of get where they're coming at. Maybe it's trying to be friendly. Which I, <laughs> Maybe. Scraping up your right? car. <laughs> that is true. Very, very true. So, yeah. So, so what else do you have on the Beast of Bray Road? Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, what happened since then, since the 90s. So uh, reports eventually calmed down by the mid-90s. Um, but after Linda's book came out in 2003, kind of a new group of reports started popping up. Um, most of these reports occurred while people people were driving and at night specifically. So there weren't any people who were saying that they were seeing this beast in broad daylight like they had in the past. But um, But there are definitely new people saying that they had seen it. Um, something that I thought was really interesting is this was in the documentary. So in 2013, um, a new farmer to the Bray Road area, to the Elkhorn area, his name is Lee Hample. He had just kind of moved to the area and he started having strange occurrences on his farm. Like for instance, he, there would be like roadkill on the side of the road and he would notice that it was like moved or like mutilated overnight. 
Um, mm. And it would be like, you know, a dead deer that had been like dragged somewhere. And he was like, that's, you know, not something that just like your average scavenger could like pick up and move. Um, so he started kind of documenting all of these different things that were occurring. And he set up video cameras on his property and he documented a lot of weird things. But the most interesting thing to me was he had a um, a doe that was roadkill and it was like 60 to 70 pounds. And he actually like took the dead doe and moved it to by one of his um, video cameras that he had set up. Mm-hmm. And one day he found that the doe was like completely gone. And this oh. was on his property, so it wasn't like it was picked up yeah. by, you know, someone who, like, moves roadkill right. or anything. So right. he noticed it was gone one morning, and he went back and checked the footage. And he actually, during the time when something must have happened to this doe, there was, like, this strange black mist that, like, took up the entire screen for, like, a couple seconds. Mm. And then it was gone, and then the doe also was gone. So oh, it wasn't, weird. like, yeah, it, he didn't see, like, a... um a wolf or anything like that it wasn't like an animal it was like this weird black mist and you can actually see it in the documentary um i thought that was so interesting um and we can kind of come back to that in a second but i'll finish up these couple other uh last couple stories but um in july of 22 a man in Lyons, wisconsin which is a little bit east of elkhorn um works as a delivery driver and he said that he saw a similar beast twice within a two-week span and both times in broad daylight while he was making deliveries. So this was just two years ago. So this was very recent. And then in 2018, this one is interesting. <laughs> um, a man named Danny Morgan, who is actually a resident of Menominee Falls, um, which is where my brother lives. Um, he was driving north of Townline Road in Elkhorn. And he claims to have seen the beast around 10 p.m. coming out of a cornfield and towards the road. And he claims that he took a picture of it. And I actually added it to our... Um, to our outline if you scroll all the way down past the newspaper article it's very it's kind of funny <laughs> like it's to me i don't I really love it, it. <laughs> like whoa it's real it's yeah. almost like too real i don't know mm-hmm. like it's oh, very that's high like, def. yeah it's a yeah. little <laughs> don't okay. know about it yeah so that was um We'll put it on the website because uh, it is pretty okay. funny and pretty yeah, interesting, you know. <laughs> but um, you be yeah, the judge. So that was you be the judge. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but that was uh, Danny Morgan's picture that he supposedly took. Um, and then, like I was mentioning, Elkhorn doesn't really embrace the beast of Bray Road the way that Rhinelander embraces the Hodag. However. The bar where Lori and Drezzy used to work does have a menu item called the Silver Bullet Special, which is kind oh, of fun. That's fun. Yeah. And a local baker makes werewolf shaped cookies. So there is a couple it's little nuts. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of it. Just not, it's not like, you know, like Hodag Mania, but or yeah, or like Moth Mania. <laughs> yeah. But exactly. But, but there's a little bit. Um, and then a couple uh, mentions of just uh, the pop culture of the Beast of Bray Road. So, there is a Beast of Bray Road movie that's free on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, it came out in 2005 and was written directed by Lee Scott. And I actually looked him up and he is from Milwaukee. Ooh, oh, nice. um, yeah, which is kind of fun. And we'll he's directed. Yeah, right. Maybe, maybe. But he's actually directed a few, like quite a few movies. And all of them seem to be kind of like bad corny horror movies. <laughs> Um, one of the movies that he directed was called Dorothy and the Witches of Oz, which starred. 
fairly well-known actors like Christopher Lloyd, Billy Boyd, and Sean Astin. So oh, nice. for my okay. fans, yeah, Billy nice. Boyd and Sean Astin. That's two of the four hobbits. So yeah, it's like, Lord oh, that's Lord. pretty neat. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because the movie, um, it like, you know, in the movie, it occurs in Wisconsin, but commenters were um, complaining that all the cars had like California license plates. So it's not, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie, but it is free. Yeah. It's very low budget. Um, there is also a nationally televised episode of inside edition that featured the Walworth County werewolf, um, and a a lot of other things too. Like the beast of Bray road is mentioned quite a bit. So um, it's kind of fun. It's a it's fun that this very well known cryptid is from Wisconsin, and um, yeah, it's very interesting. But but yeah, we can always we can always come back to it. I think you know there's so many accounts of of the Beast of Bray Road that um, yeah. that I didn't mention because I wanted to keep it a little bit concise. But sure, um, it's very fascinating stuff. Awesome, yeah, yeah, awesome. It's definitely top ten cryptid in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, really interesting uh again from the reports and everything so yeah so uh let's go on to the fister hotel with with megan uh we're kind of changing things up here from a cryptid to uh yeah spooky hotel can i just say too to get this like joke out of the way um the like every time i (laughs) every time i hear fister hotel in my mind i'm like fister i barely know her (laughs) Oh my god, it just just makes me laugh. (laughs) But anyway, yes, tell us about the hotel, Megan. I'm so excited. You you gotta get one bad joke into the podcast, Brooke. Exactly, exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Brooke. That was a super interesting story that you had to tell. And I'm hoping that my stories of the Fister will be just as interesting for you all. So I'm going to try to keep those scares coming and we're going to talk about the Fister Hotel, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you're ever traveling through, you know, Milwaukee, there's lots of different places that you can stay. Um, But the Fister Hotel is really, you know, something that's going to stand out among all your different options. And I don't know if you've ever been able to visit the hotel, John or Brooke, but it is gorgeous. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've seen photos, but it's like a mansion. It's gigantic. It's elegant. But it's also allegedly very haunted. So we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> so we love it. So there's some quite spooky stories. Like I'll talk about it a little bit later. But allegedly the entire second floor of the Fister Hotel is haunted. And people have seen... Uh, shadow figures they've heard voices Mm. in the hallways and they've even had really weird things happen in their hotel rooms like furniture moving by itself um technology you know coming on and off it's Mm -hmm. crazy but there's also stories that kind of make me laugh i don't know if you guys will find it as funny as i do but over the years there's been you know a ton of celebrities and dignitaries that have stayed at the hotel but for some reason This hotel specifically is notorious for causing ruckus among major league baseball players that stay there. (laughs) Just baseball players specifically. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the stories, but there are countless stories that um, MLB players have shared. And like 
John mentioned earlier is that some players, they straight up will not even stay in this yep. hotel. There are so yep. many haunted happenings That's and haunted so stories. Like there's this one story, one player even ran out of his hotel room without his pants on. He was so scared. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's bad guys. So yeah, I'm going to share that story with you. But it. yeah, getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, you know, I personally think there's a reason why ghosts or a ghost specifically is kind of playing mm -hmm. these pranks on MLB players. And I'll share my theory with you okay. later, but you'll there have you to go. stay tuned to find Interesting. out. Stay yes. tuned. That's not a teaser, folks. Yes, stay tuned, folks. <laughs> not a teaser. Yes. So before I get into those awesome stories of the ghost or and or ghosts haunting and taunting MLB players, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the hotel, just so you can kind of envision what this hotel looked like in the late 1800s when it was built. Hmm. So the Pfister Hotel was founded in 1893 by a man named Charles Pfister and then his father, who was a German immigrant named Guido Pfister. And Charles had this grand idea that he was going to create what he would call the people's palace. So it'd be kind of a place for people to all gather under one roof and socialize and have fun. And it really did turn out to be this luxurious hotel experience that became a go-to spot for many people in Milwaukee. And even to this day, it still is. You'll have to look up photos of this hotel, but to say it's massive is an understatement. Yeah. It is yeah. huge. It's absolutely huge. And it's completely gorgeous and elegant on the inside. There's gold trim. There's grand chandeliers. There's ornate artwork. It really is a gorgeous experience inside of there. And throughout its about 130 years of operation, it's hosted tons of people. It's hosted presidents, celebrities, prime ministers. If you're someone who, you know, is popular or a celebrity, you've probably stayed at the Fister at some point or another if you've stayed in Milwaukee. So Charles and Guido Fister, they had this dream that they wanted to create one of the finest hotels ever built. And unfortunately, Guido did pass away before the hotel was finished, but his son yeah. really stepped in and Aww. made sure that the hotel, um, you know, came to a close and was construction constructed the way that they had envisioned. Now, this is something that's interesting. It cost the two men about a million dollars to build back in the day, which by today's standards, a $1 million hotel isn't, you know, super out of the ordinary. Yeah. But I looked up what it would cost today to build. And that same hotel would cost about $33 million to Whoa, build. Wow. So that's, wow. yeah, that's yeah, quite a chunk of change. So yeah, you can kind of envision how gorgeous and luxurious that this hotel was. Something else that was really cool about this hotel was it was built in the late 1800s and it was actually well known for a lot of different cool things at the time. Like it was known as one of the first all electric and completely fireproof hotels in, in Milwaukee, wow. which is pretty cool. It had yeah. two, yeah, 200 guest rooms. It had its own power plant, which is really cool for the late 1800s. Yeah. And it also had its own thermostats in each room, which is Whoa. like completely unheard of for the time. So that it is was unheard of. Yeah. definitely that is super a cool. highbrow experience if you're going to stay there. 
Another cool thing that it has is it has this grand ballroom with 32 foot high ceilings and it's a gorgeous place. Even to this day, tons of people book it for weddings, balls, yeah. social gatherings. It's really a, a beautiful spot, but this all sounds awesome, beautiful, amazing, but this is also known as one of the most haunted lodgings in Wisconsin and you'll come to find out why. So I was kind of looking into this hotel and it's like, where do all these ghost stories happen? Yeah. You know, cause there haven't been, you know, any crazy things that have happened like a murder or, you know, right. haunted land. But my theory and the running theory among most people is that the hotel is actually haunted by Charles Fister himself. Well, which is interesting it. because both staff and guests have claimed that they've seen Mr. Fister standing mm. on the grand staircase up to the second floor. That's why I kind oh. of said the second right. floor is allegedly supposed to be the most haunted part of the hotel. Why? I'm not mm. sure. Interesting. But is the main ghost or the ghosts of the Fister actually Charles? Maybe. But it kind of makes sense because he's the most closely related to the hotel. And, you know, he's probably sticking around to look over it and make sure, sure. that, it, you know, stays in good repair. So I don't know if you guys would That's agree, true. but it kind of makes sense. I could think so. Guido. But it could be. Yeah, good yes. old Guido hanging out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think you hear that a lot with uh, residual haunting or intelligent haunting, right? with people who are so close to the to their home or mm -hmm. their hotel or their business where um they just want to make sure hey how's how's everything going i just want to look around and and they don't realize one sometimes they're dead or they just don't realize that hey you know we're okay you you can you can right. go on, like you wherever, can move on right and that happens a lot you hear that a, a lot in some older hotels older homes it's just the ghost just wants to make sure that you're doing right and okay <laughs> kind of right. get that so yeah th that makes total sense to me uh brooke what do you think i think so too especially because it was like a passion project for yeah. both guido and charles like you know it was like a family thing it was very important to them so the idea that they would be like checking in and making sure things are going okay. It's kind of, it's like heartwarming a little bit and yeah. playing some pranks on some baseball players, but we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll get to that. That's, That's exactly funny. what I'm about to get into Brooke and John is yes. I think it's so funny. You're like, Oh, you know this, they're looking out for the hotel. They're making sure it's well taken care of. But mm -hmm. what's so funny is that the ghost or the ghosts, whatever are in a Fister hotel, they love scaring the crap out of visiting MLB players specifically. <laughs> Which I just think is so funny. Um, there's actually a long list of players who have heard like weird noises. They've seen lights flickering. Their electronics act strangely. And there was even one person who reported that their furniture moved around in their room. And I'm going to tell you that story. But um, nice. you can cool. actually read all of these stories for yourself on the MLB website. And I'll give you... Um, the directions of how to find that after my stories, but I decided to read through them and pick out four of my favorite stories to share with you all today. Nice. Yeah. Woo. You guys like can it. read the rest of them um, when you have some free time, but they're all really great. All right. So I'm going to talk about four different stories. The first one is Michael Young. He's a former Rangers infielder. 
he actually reported that several years ago he was lying in his bed at the Fister after a night game and he said that his room was locked and he heard these footsteps inside of his room stomping around and he heard you know stories about this hotel that it was super haunted so of course he was wide awake at this point and then he heard it again he heard these footsteps on the floor so he actually yelled out to this alleged ghost in his room hey make yourself at home hang out have a seat but don't wake me <laughs> up okay that's what he said don't wake me up so after that he stopped hearing anything for the rest of the night so he just said you know i let him feel welcome i let him know we were pals that he could you know stay as long as he wanted <laughs> just sure, have a beer. yeah don't <laughs> wake me up so don't wake awesome. me up you know, have a big game tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You know, Mr. Fister, you know, he, he can respect a man that needs to get his beauty rest, of course. Yeah, that's awesome. So that may be something we can take away from this is if you can reason with a ghost, maybe they'll mm -hmm. let you yeah. have a good night like sleep. Right. Yeah, just find some common ground. <laughs> just ask nicely. Say please. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I have this second story. This is from Bryce Harper. He stayed at the Fister in 2012, and he told ESPN that he had laid out his shirt and pants on a table at the end of his bed before he went to sleep for the night. And he actually said, when I woke up in the morning, I swear on everything, the clothes were on the floor and the table was on the opposite side of the room against the wall. So his oh. furniture had just moved by itself. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. He okay. said, I was so flustered. I honestly thought that there might be someone in my room and I had no idea what the hell had just happened. So I looked around and I checked the door to see if the door was locked and it was locked, which is huh. interesting. So he actually thought, oh, maybe one of my teammates played a prank on me, but no sure. one came forward. And he ended up asking to be moved to a different room because he was so scared. Dang, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. That would scare the crap out of me. That would, that would scare me too. Plus, it's like, that's a lot of energy to be able to move furniture yes. on your own without waking mm -hmm. someone up. So, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. So, I have a third story. This is from Carlos Gomez. He says that he's heard voices while staying at the fist Fister with the worst happening when he was in the shower and he heard this static playing on his iPod. So, he grabbed the device but it changed songs all by itself. So oh. he actually raced out of the room into the lobby without even putting <laughs> pants on. He was so scared. <laughs> Love that. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's good. And then this very last story I'm gonna share today is, um, this was actually the most recent occurrence that's happened. It happened in 2018. And this was from Carlos Martinez. So when the Cardinals were in town, um, Martinez and Marcel Ozuna both claimed that they had seen ghosts in their own rooms. So they mm. finally decided to stay together for the night in Francisco Pena's room, saying, if the ghost shows up again, we're going to fight it. So <laughs> you know, they're just going to gang up on this plan. ghost. You know, we're going to punch Mr. Fister. You know, we'll, we'll get it taken care of. That's so funny. Uh, so... It's funny. I love all these stories. Again, you can find this on MLB's website. Um, how you can find it is if you go to Google and you type in scary stories from baseball's haunted hotel, you'll find the article. So these were just some nice. of my favorites that I loved, but I actually read that yeah. some players who stay at the Fister will actually sleep with their bats 
in their beds. That's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, just in case, you know, they're super scared, you know, not sure how effective it would be to swing a bat at a ghost, but you know, let oh, me know yeah. if you try it and it works. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, so uh, my theory is that, you know, this is maybe Charles Fister and he just wants to mm-hmm. look out for the Milwaukee Brewers. Cause I mean, if you, yeah. Yeah. if you rough exactly. up the visiting team the night before, maybe they won't play as well for, you know, the sure. Milwaukee Brewers home games. Yeah. So I totally buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a little prank never hurt anybody, but I mean, if you're good enough that you can scare away the visiting teams, maybe it's worth it. That's Any- true. Yeah. Anything for Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So ghost or no ghost, whether it's Mr. Fister or not Mr. Fister, the Fister Hotel definitely is one of those super cool places to visit in Milwaukee and who doesn't love a good ghost story? So two, yeah, que- two quick questions I had for you two. One, would you stay at the Fister Hotel? I definitely would. I actually have been there. I didn't stay there. Um, my sister, when uh, she got married, got married in downtown Milwaukee and her and her uh, husband <clears throat> stayed at the Fister. And I think their whole wedding party did as well. And I don't know if they had any haunted yeah. experiences, but they said that it was amazing. Um, but I have been to, there's actually a martini bar at, on the top, like 23rd floor of the mm-hmm. Fister. Yeah, it's called like Blue, Blue something. Um, but it's really cool. It's a very cool bar to go to if you if you ever get a chance. But I would love to stay there um, and try to get some paranormal activity. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> and it's a really cool, it's such a cool location and a cool hotel. Yeah, it so. is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, that'd be super fun. Um, I, I kind of have a story related to that a little bit. Uh, I was on a business trip. Uh, in Nashville, and we were staying at this hotel that's kind of the counterpart of the Fister Hotel called the Leeds Hotel. Mm. Basically, it's the same thing you just said, Megan. And <laughs> what was funny was I said to the, you know, the clerk or whatever, I said, is this haunted? And he looked at me and goes, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is so sweet. You know what? Not even going to play with you. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he just told me, yeah, straight out. He just said, yep. And anyway, well, so this well, this is the thing that totally sucks. So when I was trying to get my room, they were like, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Acky, we don't have a room. However, we have a sister hotel that is brand new. It, you know, we'll put you in that. And I'm like, and I was like, argue with the guy, like, no, I want to stay here. <laughs> like, I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know? So anyway, the next day I, I went to some of my uh, coworkers who had stayed there, and I said, Come on, you got you gotta tell me what you know any haunting so two things happened uh to mm-hmm. one of my co-workers he when he was sleeping uh he heard a woman's voice in his ear and he thought oh it my was God. he thought it was my boss who obviously is a female <laughs> and was trying to wake him up but she he was like how in the hell did my boss get in the rooms because you know he said he woke up and he was expecting to see my boss standing there you know, like, hey, you get your ass out of bed. We need to, you know, go to these meetings. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there. Oh, my God. I'd be so scared. And here's the thing. It said his name. So his name was Ooh. Danny. Said no way. Danny. Danny. Like, sometimes huh. wake you up. Like, you'd wake your husband up. Like, Danny. And it, oh, my it God. This place out, like, oh, shit, I overslept. I got to, you know, and no, he's in the room. So he got a new room. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, as you would think, yes. And then the second quick story was, and this one is not as scary because it could be people just messing with you. So he was, uh, uh, one of my other coworkers said he was sleeping. It's like three o'clock in the morning because he looked at the clock because he wasn't sleeping that well. And there was just pounding on his door, just, just you know, like someone trying to get in. And, you know, he's like, okay, God dang it. You know, somebody, this isn't funny. And he opens the door. There's nobody there. So oh. he said he did something smart. So, but again, believe it or not, you know, it's up to you. So what he did, he grabbed a chair. Cause like I said, he couldn't sleep. So he took a chair and he sat in front of the door and he was going to whip open the door when someone did that again and catch him and just mm -hmm. have a fun with them. Right. So he was sitting there and he said, you know, some time passed and he was kind of nodding off and then bam, 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 bam. And he said, he got up right away, opened the door. Nobody was there. Oh so man! Goes, so they man, yeah, yeah. Like, how could they oh. run? You know? Yeah, he said right. He checked the hall because, and you know, and other people, uh, from what I heard when I was at breakfast, were like, they looked like they hadn't slept. <laughs> they looked really like, nervous. Oh, you didn't sleep well either. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. And then I told I would switch rooms with them, and nobody would <laughs> switch rooms with me, which was really fun. I'm like, look, I'll go in the haunted hotel. You can have my five star whatever <laughs> hotel room. I got to be here. And everybody's like, no, I just, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. That's okay. I'm like, dang it. So, dang it. No, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, next time. Yeah, next yeah. time. So anyway, that was just two quick little stories for you. That's about, awesome. Well, I'm maybe if you get the hotel. Fister, yeah. you'll have your chance, John. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you two one more question, then we'll close out for the day. But if you two were ghosts, would you play pranks on people like the oh. possible Mr. Fister at the Fister Hotel? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why <laughs> sure. not? Absolutely. Yeah. I like the idea of picking like a like a very specific group of people that you play pranks on, like right, yeah. like just relentless. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like I, people with a specific profession. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe play around with some you ghost two, hunters. You two would yeah. know. Be, you two would know it would be me because I'm just gonna come up behind you and go, Megan. Come like, on, like, oh, John, right. come on. Like I'll like I'll be over the top. Like a, yeah, like a love cheesy it. horror movie for sure. Like <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, John. I'm I have an idea for you. You have to pick another kitchen appliance. It can't be the toaster because that's already taken. Okay. But yeah, you can yeah. be like the haunted blender or you know, yeah, the haunted air fryer. You know, whatever you or, want. haunted air fryer. <laughs> uh, it's 2022. <laughs> you can pick you know an awesome appliance. Uh, yeah, um, the microwave's too easy. I, I, yeah, I'll pick something that you both least expect it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll go. be making, we'll, yeah, be, like we'll be just air like. Fryer, we'll start to. <laughs> you know, oh, John, come on. I'm trying to make some dinner tonight, man. Come on. <laughs> love it. I love that idea. How about you, Megan? What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like. I would be like kind of like poltergeist activity, like opening oh up all God. the cabinets, but like just being like yeah, minor girl, inconveniences. Yeah. You know, yeah, like just so. enough to kind of annoy you, but not like scare you out oh, of your house, like you, the haunted you. bunk bed, you know? 
Yeah. I would want to be Bro- like a helpful, I think I'd be a helpful ghost. Like that, oh, um, helpful. like that ghost who is like snow blowing the driveway during yeah, the last yeah. episode. <laughs> like put all the dishes away, fold the laundry. Yeah, fold the laundry. So that they're like, what the hell? You I like that, Brooke. That's my house, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So be I think it'd be fun. fun. So, uh, any uh, final thoughts? Uh, love both of these. I think they're they're a beast of Bray Row. We might revisit that and talk a little yeah. bit more. Fister Hotel, that that's awesome. Uh, like Megan said and Brooke said, they have some really cool things there. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, please uh, stay there. And one of the things, once we get to more episodes, like I've said before. We're going to hopefully get into YouTube and then we'll have an email because well, we would love to hear some experiences for the Fister Hotel mm-hmm. or Beast of Bray Road uh, sent to our email. But we're going to talk about that because we want to make sure we do everything right and get it out there. But right now, we're just like I said, we're concentrating on our episodes. And I want to give some shout outs just really quick to people in the UK who are listening. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> We're international, Megan and Brooke. No. I love it. Uh, also, people listening into, uh, I think, uh, Megan, you said your parents are listening in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Uh, yes. Also, we have California. I want to do a shout out, Alabama, Michigan. And so we'll have to do the, the dog man. Yeah, the story Michigan dog that. man. Yeah, yes. so we'll that'd be dog awesome. Man, then. Uh, and then in Wisconsin. One thing I want to say is, again, hit subscribe. We're, again, a small podcast. We don't have a studio. (laughs) We don't have engineers. (laughs) We don't have a big budget. So really, we build it upon people listening to us, and uh, we can be found on all the different podcast sites. We just got onto Apple. So please leave a review. Please leave a five-star review because that really will help (laughs) us. Grow our uh, grow our podcast, uh, Broker Megan. Did you want to add anything? Just you know, to our audience who is listening, to kind of help us continue to grow. I, I think you said said it all. I you know I'm excited to see see where this goes, especially as we start kind of talking about some stories outside of Wisconsin. You know, we're starting with Wisconsin because it's what we know, right. what we're familiar with. But I'm excited to talk about you know the the Michigan dog man and. Uh, there's so much weird stuff in Ohio. That's going to be yeah. some, some interesting stories too. So. Great stories. Megan? Yep. I think you covered it, John. There's just so many cool things to share in Wisconsin yeah. that, you know, it's, it's worth tuning in and learning about. And like Brooke said, we'll be expanding our topics, but for now we've got yeah. so much to cover and you'll have to tune yeah. in next week to see what we talk about. Oh, yeah. good one. Good one. Love that. Yes. So tune in next week <laughs> to our episode because uh, we're still discussing what we'd like to do. That's the great thing about our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to kind of feel it out and see what's kind of really getting us excited and what we can do, whether it be a cryptid, haunted hotel, haunted toaster, haunted, <laughs> haunted, <laughs> haunted air fryer, you know. Haunted yeah. air fryers. Uh, so, again, we always <laughs> like to say, you your goat, just like that one, <clears throat> the one baseball player. He really <laughs> wanted to be friendly. Tell you guys to say hi and, uh, you know, stay spooky. (laughs) 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 All right. Thanks, uh, Brooke and Megan. And we will talk to you later.
All right. See you next for next episode. Thanks. Have a great night. Yep. Bye.